My Seven Chakras, episode 284. My country is the world and my religion is to do good. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My Seven Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My Seven Chakras, the show where we provide you wisdom, inspiring stories, and action steps that will help you transform your life. So, if you are new to our show, then I want to give you a warm, warm welcome and know that you are in the right spot. If you are interested in working on your chakras, before we begin our episode, then make sure that you attend our live webinar that I'm hosting this Thursday online. I'm actually going to talk about our fascinating human energy body. You learn how to use sound to heal your chakras. And by the end of our time together, you will discover how to balance and clear three very important chakras in your body. So if you're a regular listener and you're curious about learning more, then visit my7chakras.com forward slash live training. That's my seven is a word, my7chakras.com forward slash live training. Once again, the link that you need is my7chakras.com forward slash live training. See you there. And with that, let's bring on our special guest for today, Dr. Arthur Sierra Micoli. So Arthur, are you ready? I'm inspired. <laughs> Good to see you again. Good to see you again. So, Dr. Arthur Siarmikoli is a licensed clinical psychologist who has been treating clients for more than 35 years. He's a member of the American Psychological Association. And today we're going to talk about his book, The Soulful Leader. Now, Arthur has developed this approach during 35 years of consulting within and consulting leaders in business, education, politics and on athletic teams. His communication and leadership groups have been ongoing for over 30 years, which has allowed him to study the personal characteristics that lead to excellent leadership skills. Now, this is not our first interview. Our first session was over 150 episodes back on episode 118, where we spoke about his previous book, The Stress Solution. So if you want to re-listen to that episode, then go to my7chakras.com forward slash 118 and action try. Before beginning our session, let me tell you that I'm super excited about the topics that we are going to discuss today, mainly because leadership, in my opinion, is very connected with our chakras. Because on an energetic level, in order to be really authentic and a powerful leader, all your chakras must be aligned. In particular, your third eye chakra for intuition, your crown chakra for a purposeful connection to the universe, your throat chakra so that you can express yourself and give uh, speeches and also listen attentively, and your heart chakra to connect with employees and members in your community and your root as well so that you can be grounded and really firm in your approach. So we're going to dive in. And here's why you should listen till the very end. We're going to talk about the unique traits of an authentic leader, how you can go about developing these skills, how leadership affects your brain chemistry, 
and much more. So make sure that you listen till the very end. Does that sound exciting? So let's get started. So Arthur, thank you so much for joining me on today's session. Uh, to begin today's episode, what is one inspirational quote that you live by, especially these days, and how does it uh, impact your daily life? The, the quote that is most inspirational to me, AJ, is by Thomas Paine. My country is the world and my religion is to do good. Uh, I, I love that quote because it's all encompassing and, you know, it means that our brothers and sisters are, are all throughout the world, not just in our own clan. It's, a, it's, an, it's a, a statement that I think expresses an open heart and an open mind, meaning that you're ho- open to all religions. And all the major religions have one thing in common, I think, is to be of service, to do good. So I consider my country the world, um, and I can, and I and I and I learn from all religions. I'm I'm very spiritual, and I I like to take in information from various diverse sources, and I think soulful leaders do that consistently. Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing. Be of service, do good. Open your heart and realize and recognize that you have brothers and sisters around the world and we are just one. So thanks a lot for sharing that profound wisdom. So what inspired you to write your book, The Soulful Leader? Well, you know, I I didn't know if I was going to write another book, AJ, but I, I became so disturbed by what's happening in our country politically and in the corporate world, in the business world. I think, uh, we have, many studies that indicate that we have toxic leaders throughout the corporate world. And we know in Congress, we have toxic leaders as well. So I became very concerned. And, you know, there's studies that indicate that Americans in particular believes over 60% of Americans believe that this is the worst time in their history in our culture. So I wanted to write something about successful leadership, soulful leadership, and how to change the brain so that you can lead people to be more creative, more happy, and more enduring. They want to belong to your purpose. They, they share in your mission. And I think, you know, at one point or another, we're all leaders, whether we're leaders of families or uh, we are in a position of leadership at some point. But I, I was just very, 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 and still am very concerned about the direction of our, cu- our culture currently. Got it, got it. So diving a bit deeper, could you talk to us about the process that you went through in writing this book? Well, interestingly, the stress solution took me three years to write. Yeah, I wrote the first draft of the Soulful Leader in about a month because I was so impassioned to write it, and I had so many ideas about what what we need to be doing now instead of what we are doing. Right. You know, I've been in practice for a long time, as you know, and I have never, in my thirty-five years of practice, had so many people come into my office and talk about politics and and in their work life ever than ever before. Almost everybody was mentioning it during the primaries, during the election, after the election, on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. But people are more concerned today about where we are than ever before. Not only not only in the political world, but in their work life. You know, the Workplace Bullying Institute in, indicated that 65 million people working in this country said they were bullied, either directly or they witnessed bullying. And 61% of those people that acknowledge being bullied never said a word about it. They just left their job because they were afraid of being stigmatized by their employee and then it would follow them in their industry. You know, all our industries are kind of small worlds. 
So if you're an engineer or an accountant and you're bullied or whoever you are, you worry about your uh, that getting out to other people. So it, it really says something about leadership. I mean, that we, we allow this to happen in our in our work life. 70% of Americans say they wake up every night due, due to stress because of their thoughts about working the next day. And over 75% of people in the workplace said that they are hesitant or afraid to even ask a leader a question because when they ask a question, they usually get a demeaning response. Mm-hmm. So that really provided a lot of energy for me to want to write this book and, and change the direction that we're going in. And that's why I talk in the book about AIE leadership, authenticity, integrity, and empathy. And I talk about the brain changes that, that come about when you lead that way. Got it. Got it. So broadly speaking, if you look at uh, leadership in general in today's age, what are some types of leadership uh, that you see as, as an expert and, and as someone who's been in this field for quite a while? I think there are many people who lead through aggression and fear. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they realize that when you do that, when you cause fear in another person, an employee, a friend or a spouse, you're, you're creating the stress response. You're creating the release of cortisol which produces black and white, very narrow thinking and really curtails creativity a, a great deal. And, and we know now that empathic environments, the Lady Geek is a consulting group in England, and they, they uh, surveyed over 500 companies to find out where the empathic companies were and, what, and the ones that were lowest in an empathic culture. The ones that were at the top, the top 10%, had twice the profit as the bottom 10%. So when you lead with empathy and integrity and you are authentic, you're the same person at work as you are at home, you produce calming neurochemicals in people, which make them happier, happier people are more creative, and creative people are more productive and profits go up. So I, I wanted to share that wisdom with people and share the, the, the data we have from those credible studies because so many people lead through fear and aggression and they think that's going to make them more profitable. It really doesn't. And, and they see, see empathy and integrity as, as not useful skills. They're, they almost view them as soft skills, that they have to threaten people to get them to work harder. Mm-hmm. When you threaten another human being, you create tension and stress and anxiety, and they want to undermine you. I've seen it in business for many years. Even if my bonus is dependent on you, if you treat me in a demeaning way over and over again, even unconsciously, I'm going to undermine you. I'm not going to get that report to your desk on Monday when you need it because mm-hmm. I don't want to help you. I don't like you. And when you don't like someone and you feel demeaned by someone that you're reporting to, you're going to produce on a much lower level than you would if you felt respected and cared for in an authentic way. Got it. Got it. So moving on to, the traits of an authentic, soulful leader. What are some traits that this type of leader exhibits? Well, they lead with passion. They are authentic. When, you know, so many companies have mission statements, but the employees kind of behind the CEO or CFO's back, they say, you know, they don't, they don't lead that way. The mission statement is for the public. It's Mm -hmm. for Wall Street, but they don't really live it. That we don't we don't function that way anyway. Soulful leaders, when their mission statement is who they are, they lead with passion. They're authentic, and they have a deep desire to be of service to other. 
and they love to tease out the potential of their employees of other people, like a good father or mother who loves to teach out, tease out the potential of their children. They also lead from the bottom up, not the top down. They don't only associate with people at the top. They know their organizations intimately. They know who cleans the floors. They know who plows the snow. They know who does the landscaping. They know who fixes their computers. And they know something about their employees' lives. They know whether you're married or not, or what your husband or wife's name is, and what your children's name. They display an interest in, in the human being beyond the bottom line. So mm. they, they encourage, when they walk in the building, people are happy to see them. And you, you can sense it when you walk into a building. You know, I walked into a small business not long ago, mm-hmm. and I went up to the receptionist to tell her who I was for, the meet, for my meeting, and she was looking, <laughs> she was doing a crossword puzzle. And she looked up and she looked down and she was still finishing the crossword puzzle. And then she mm-hmm. said, yes, you have an appointment? Yes, I do. And, you know, she not rude, but not kind and not warm. And, you know, from the moment I entered, in, entered that building and interacted with her, it was that that was the culture of that business. Mm-hmm. I walked by three people as I was going to the, the room that I was to meet the CEO. None of them spoke to me. None of them said good morning. They walked right by me. I felt like saying human being passing. And you, you could tent, sense that the culture of that business was poor, that people were not taught or modeling being interactive in a kind, empathic way. And the CEO was pretty much the same. It, it went throughout the building from the from the minute I entered with the receptionist to the end meeting with the CEO. Nothing changed. Got it, got it. So Action Drive, if you're watching or if you're listening, whatever you're doing, I hope you're taking down notes and uh, listening to what is being shared because what we're learning is that uh, – uh, a soulful leader, an authentic leader leads with passion, is all about service, is authentic in terms of uh, who they want to serve and how they want to show up each and every day at work, leads from the bottom up so they might know people's names, what they do. Uh, they don't treat people based on what position they you know, uh, have in the organization or in the community. And most importantly, what they do has an effect on the entire culture and everyone and all the interactions, uh, the culture shapes all the interactions like Arthur mentioned. That's how it works. But thanks a lot for sharing that with us, Arthur. Now talk to us about what's happening in the brain. What's the connection between uh, authentic and soulful leadership and our brain chemistry? One of the most amazing things, AJ, is, you know, I wrote a book called The Power of Empathy uh, in the year 2000. And at that time, I sense that when you give and receive empathy with another human being that you change the brain, but I couldn't prove it. But now we know through functional MRIs that when you and I exchange empathic, have an empathic interaction, we produce oxytocin in our brains. Oxytocin is a near miracle neurotransmitter. It makes people feel generous. It makes people feel safe, secure, trusting. It reduces inflammation. It increases longevity. It helps people heal from injuries, physical injury, faster. It It is so powerful that it actually is being used for addiction now. There, there's a, a nasal spray, oxytocin, really? addiction experts spray in the nose to make people uh, happier, and then they don't, they don't have to use a drug to produce it artificially. They're also using it, nasal spray of oxytocin, for fathers who have trouble bonding with their babies. And they find when a little spray of oxytocin in their noses, all of a sudden they're warmer and more generous to their child. So imagine an organization 
where uh, people have oxytocin and another neurochemical serotonin, which, which is what's produced when you re- relate with empathy in their brains, it makes them more creative. It makes them more accepting, more trusting, and it makes you easier to negotiate with other people. Because if you trust me, you, you certainly might want to buy my product a lot more than if you don't trust me. The opposite is when you lead through aggression and fear, as we were discussing earlier, you create the release of the hormone cortisol. What does that do? It takes your empathic range from out here and it brings it in here. And it produces obsessive, repetitive thinking. So you can't get out of your own way and it reduces creativity significantly and it creates distrust. So that environment, if you create that environment, you are not going to be more profitable and have happy employees or have a happy family. If you produce, if you know how to relate authentically and and empathically, you're actually making the brains of people happy. And, and, And people follow that model. They follow the behavior of a leader, just like children follow the behavior of their parents. So when we model it and we model it successfully, we don't even have to be in the building. People are just acting that way. People realize that it makes them feel better. They can produce more and more creatively and they feel respected and they want to get up and go to work. They want to be there. Mm -hmm. They enjoy being in that environment. You might just be one skill away. Action Drive, think about that for a moment. After conducting over 270 interviews on our show, I've learned that people who are successful and influential are always honing their skills, learning new things and upgrading their knowledge. And that's why I wanted to introduce all of you to this amazing online learning community that I recently found that's called Skillshare, which has thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of lifestyle, creative and self-help skills, among others. So whether you want to set and achieve goals, build a practice of gratitude, learn how to plan your meals, or just become more organized in life, Skillshare has a class for you. And I've got my eyes on this one class by Simon Sinek. It's called How to Share Ideas and Inspire Action. Now, the best part is that you don't need to commit four to six weeks for a course. Even if you have 35 to 40 minutes, you can learn something exciting and brand new. Action Tribe. I'm telling all my friends about this amazing platform because it is aligned with the Action Tribe mentality of always learning, always growing, right? So join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today because they've graciously extended an amazing offer, especially for Action Tribe. Get two months free. That's right. Skillshare is offering my seven chakras listeners two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Action Tribe. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Action Tribe to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash Action Tribe because the truth is that you might just be one skill away. So Action Drive, if you have read these stories where the story is about leader who sort of rallied the people towards a common vision and they helped them achieve some things, a lot of times you might hear this phase that he was not just a leader, but he was a healer too, right? Not just a leader, but a healer. And today we're coming to know because of what happens in our brain that authentic leadership, soulful leadership can actually heal the entire organization and the culture. Now, uh, Arthur, if you could tell me, uh, has the emergence of the internet and the popularity of uh, platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, has that changed leadership as we see it today? 
Well, you know, it's it's a debated topic, isn't it? I mean, some people believe it's helped and some people believe it's hurt. One thing we know is that there's a lot of misinformation on the Internet and people have to be very careful about what leaders are telling them. You have to empathy is fact oriented. It, It helps us slow down and obtain the objective facts of what someone is saying. We see it in the media every day. We see it by people tweeting every day. 72% of Americans, and you get all these statistics and people don't even know where they come from. Mm. And unless you, you have to examine a leader and not idealize the leader. You know, a good group, I was saying this in one of my groups the other day because people were reluctant to say some, they, they, um, they didn't understand something I said, a point I made. And I said, I, I noticed the people being very hesitant to confront me or challenge me. I said, right. the last comment I made, I, honestly, I don't think it made much sense. Let me try that again. And then we talked about their fear of addressing authority and how um, they learned early in life because they grew up with parents that, that raised them through aggression and fear, that they seldom were able to, to question people in work, in the work environment. And what I was trying to help them is unlearn that so that you don't just idealize a leader and accept what they're saying. And I think you have to look again for the objective data, the proof, the truth. Empathy is truth-oriented. When somebody is leading and trying to sell and they're marketing themselves, we have gurus all over the place that are doing this daily. And we have so many people that are, that are spouting conspiracy theories and they're leaders. And they're saying, look at the conspiracy theorists who said Newtown didn't occur. They were all actors. These children are still alive. I mean, mm-hmm. that shattered the parents of those young people. Because it was ridiculous. But you know, there are people listening to that leader. If you have, if you have a voice, I mean, you have a voice and I respect you or I wouldn't be on this show. I mean, I, I, I know your work and, and you and I have interacted before, but I don't want to be on anybody's show just to, just to tout my book if I think you have no integrity. I mean, what would that make me? A soulless leader. So in terms of the internet, Facebook, Twitter, all I'm saying is be careful to the leaders that you're following. Because make sure that that person is one of integrity. I don't think you would have a following if you weren't a person of integrity. I think it would be a fly-by-night show. You know what I mean? Why would people follow you if week after week they thought you were just telling them things that they find out later are not true? They're not even effective. You know, I mean, because a lot of leaders, once they sell you a product, you know, you buy this, people are selling vitamins and supplements and and I, look, I use supplements, but I research them first. So I don't just take anything. Uh, one of my clients came in a few weeks ago and said, I'm losing weight. This is great. And he, mm-hmm. I said, can I look at what you're taking? He wanted me to look at what he's taking because, you know, I used to direct an alternative medicine center. And mm-hmm. there, there were four herbs in the supplement that were all diuretics. And I said, are you urinating a lot? He goes, all day long. <laughs> <laughs> so be informed. Be vigilant, uh, you know, do your due diligence and know about your leader, ask questions and don't, you know, uh, be afraid to question authority, uh, which brings me to my next question is you write in your book and this is what, this is what got my attention. You say that uh, proactive leaders or, or authentic leaders are proactive learners. Um, and this is one of the traits of a soulful leader. So what does being a proactive learner involve when it comes to leadership? It means that you're willing to learn from all sources. You know, we know from credible research, AJ, that the most productive groups are the most diverse groups. 
Isn't mm-hmm. that interesting? If you take 10 white 50-year-old men who were all born in the East and you put them together and try to strategize about bringing a product to market, you kind of have different people preaching to the choir. If you take people, you know, two people from India, two, a woman from China, someone from Spain or Brazil, two, two men from the United States, one from the South, one from the Midwest, and you put them in a group, what happens? They see all the variables in the world. And what happens is that it's a more creative interchange. A soul for leader is open to diversity. A soul for leader loves diversity because they realize that, you know, beyond the surface, and this is where empathy comes in again, we're all more alike than we are different. So we don't reject somebody by the color of the skin or by their gender or by what country they came from. We actually welcome diversity. Diversity makes environments thrive. It raises the spirit of people and it teaches people to be more open-minded. Open-minded people are more creative. Creative people are more productive and profits rise. Got it, got it. So I love the fact that you're able to relate these um, qualities such as, you know, being happy and being uh, satisfied to productivity and ultimately profit because that's important, right? You, when a company is in business, it's, it's about profit, but you won't reach that profit or you won't increase your revenue unless your employees are happy. They're satisfied. They're happy. They're thriving. They feel like they're, they're allowed to be creative. And like you mentioned, that happens when you bring a diverse set of population, people of maybe different cultures, different traditions, different skin colors or uh, different genders, but they all come together towards a common vision. So that's that's a wonderful picture to paint. Now, how does one go about building leadership skills, not just role based in an organization or at a corporate, but informal, authentic leadership that makes people want to follow you? How does somebody go about doing that? I think, AJ, the most important characteristic that a soul for leader can have, and I actually think it's the most important characteristic any human being can have, is knowing how to listen, empathic mm-hmm. listening. We are we have become very poor listeners in our culture, especially. People talk over each other all the time. They don't slow down and use empathy to look beyond the surface into the heart and soul of what another human being is saying. Soul for leaders know how to listen. They don't respond quickly. They're not quick reactors. Quick reactors are always coming from some historical hurt in the past, and they immediately identify something and they react quickly. Soulful leaders react slowly, thoughtfully, not unusually slow, but they, they, they want to understand because they have a natural curiosity. But how can you really understand someone if I ask you a question and as soon as you start to answer, I'm talking over you? because most people are rehearsing what they're going to say while they're listening rather than relaxing, calming down and actually taking in what the other person is saying, not only verbally, but non-verbally. That's how you learn about another human being. You learn what, they're, how they're thinking, how they came to a certain point, how they arrived at that point. When you do that as a leader, other people do it too. You see soulful leaders seldom are people interrupting in their staff meetings. It's very, very rare. You look at a group that is that is driven by aggression and fear, and that's how the leader uh, tries to influence people. And you go to those meetings, and they talk over each other all the time. Right. Aggressive, talking over each other. I'm right. You're wrong. This is the way. This is the right way. Right. So that's that's no longer uh, uh, something to do in 2019. If you want your 
company to have a thriving culture and if you want to be that authentic soulful leader uh Arthur, could you talk to us about uh charisma some leaders possess it some call it the x factor uh-huh. so as an expert who has worked with the leaders of you know different types what exactly is that charisma could you break it down for us well you know some people think people really you're born with it or you're not yeah i don't think that's true i think charisma the foundation for uh, for charisma is authenticity if you are yourself and you're not okay. pretending you, you know authenticity attracts it makes a person charismatic it's it's interesting that even a relatively quiet person can have charisma because when they're real when they're authentic when they can acknowledge their mistakes i call it imperfect success when they when they when they allow you to see the understand the process by which they go to arrive at a certain point when they make a mistake they acknowledge it they don't deny it we're in a we're in a social culture right now where people deny and hide their mistakes all the time i didn't say that and then you have it on a video that they did say that and lying is i mean i wrote i wrote a piece on lying in this book because people are lying all the time in business in the political world it that is not charismatic mhm because once you know once you know I lied to you I I cite a study on your show and I say 87% of whatever and yeah. then the listeners look it up and they yeah. say you say where was that study done and I said well Harvard Business School and they go to the Harvard Business School and they look at the journal that month and they say there was no such study I just made it up mm. now that is going to make you and I look like fraudulent mm-hmm. because it's certainly not going to attract us anybody to us because they know we just distort facts. Mhm. So charisma and authenticity are first cousins I think. And I think right. when you're when you're authentic you're more creative and you're more likable and that makes people more charismatic as well. And it isn't only the outgoing people that can be charismatic. People that are warm, look, the Dalai Lama is charismatic. Right. And the Dalai Lama is not an aggressive um outspoken he's a relatively soft spoken person but he walks on the stage and people are smiling why is yeah. that because he smiles <laughs> yeah i remember a story that you shared in your book and i think that was along the lines of him inviting uh, certain scientists to research the mind right because they're doing a lot of meditation and so the people from the science background said that if you believe in science how come you believe in uh, reincarnation and and so the audience was like what what is he going to answer and and he said <laughs> he was willing to be wrong he said if you can prove that reincarnation does not exist that day itself i'll revise our texts and i'll spread the official message yes. and but they but they can't so you know <laughs> he he won that respect in a sense right <laughs> yes. and then he burst out laughing <laughs> he burst out laughing yeah 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 right right thanks a lot for sharing now uh, how did you get started in your field how did it all begin for you oh that's interesting i you know my dad and, and mom often had immigrants from other countries staying with us we we often we, we used to complain my brother and i sometimes we didn't know who we were going to wake up to right. so my mother was a very good listener and my father was a motivator mm-hmm. and my father and mother but more my father to uh, in, in in because he they they had their own business they had a small furniture store but in that store oftentimes if you walked in the store my father would be in the back talking to eight high school kids about going to college or what do you want to do with your life and so mm-hmm. he was always involved with people that way and i think it just became a part of me and just you know being of service 
I saw the reward that he got and I saw the reward that my mother got. When my mother passed away, there were so many people from different races and religions there that my father looked at me and he said, look at this. It's like the League of Nations. Mm. He said, there's someone of every race and every religion that we know of here. That was your mother. Because my mother worked after my father sold his business. She worked in the ER. And uh, she would, you know, come and get the information from you, what was wrong, and then and figure out which discipline you needed to see and so forth. But she had a love for, for difference. She had a love for interacting. With, and even when she was older, I mean, my mother was practicing yoga in the 50s. And that wasn't very common for a woman of her age. And she would read whatever I would read. If I, you know, I would read, I would come home and she would see that I was reading a, a great deal at that time of Buddhism. And, and she would start reading those books, even though she was raised a Roman Catholic, you know. So she, she had that that desire to learn more and outside of what she was exposed to initially. So I think it was just natural for me to want to be involved with people and, and tease out their potential. You know, I, I wrote in the book that people often think when they come to see me that I'm going to point out what's wrong with them because I'm a clinical psychologist what I really love doing is pointing out and, and teasing out what's always been right with them that they've never known because of their conditioning. You know, mm -hmm. if you're told that you're not very bright when you're young or you're not very attractive or you're not very athletic, you grow up believing it. You look in that mirror that, that we're faced with, we're trying to decide who we are. And it's, it's sometimes it's like looking in a circus mirror. You know, you, you, you don't get an accurate reflection of who you are. And then my job is to tease out the actual truth of who you are. And, and, and I find that, like, immensely gratifying. I mean, I have a client who came to me and she said she wasn't athletic once, and now she's and then she ended up being a tennis coach in a high school. You know? right. <laughs> Her father said girls don't play sports. You know, all, all of these kind of things that you hear about people that people have grown up with that are distorted views of themselves. And mm -hmm. once you uncover their true self, you see them rise up, and they become leaders in their own spheres. Like this woman was an athletic leader. She became a coach. And all her life, she thought she wasn't athletic. Turns out she's very athletic. Mm -hmm. Got it. So, so, so we've spoken about, you know, the stories that we tell ourselves. We've spoken about uh, being a good listener, a good learner, being authentic. Let's talk about the challenge now, the crisis situation. Yeah, talk about, let's talk about resilience because how does adversity and crisis shape a leader because that's inevitable, right? What does a leader do in such a situation? Soulful leaders, when there's a, a significant conflict in their organization or in their group, just like a soulful parent, when there's a lot of conflict in their family or extended family, they don't rush in and make decisions. They slow down they listen to the facts, they listen to both sides or several sides and points of view, and then they make decisions. They want to take in all the information. They're curious about the problem. Why does the problem exist? Why is it that these four people can't work together? What is it that gets in the way of you working together? What, what, what is it about Henry that you, that you find so difficult to be in the same room with him? And they tease out what actual, what's actually happening that's truthful versus what's people's own biases mm -hmm. and what, what shouldn't be in the room. Um, and, and they try to focus on the facts and, and their conflict resolution people. They, 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 they're not intimidated by conflict. 
they know that they're noted for going into a situation and teasing out the variables that re- really matter. Got it, got it. And as you as you were explaining, you know, the situation, what came to my mind was Marcus Aurelius, you know, the act of stoicism to yeah. look at a situation or a difficulty or an obstacle and take out the emotions from it, but to really analyze what's really happening, dissect it, ask the right questions, get all the information yes. and then make a decision. Wonderfully uh, explained. Thanks a lot for sharing that. Now, throughout history, there have been many leaders of all shapes and sizes. Who's your favorite as on today? Oh, Leaders that are, are alive today or leaders of... It, it could be anyone, actually. Okay, well, <laughs> Buddha, Jesus, um, the, the Dalai Lama, Desmond Tutu, mm-hmm. um, Cahil Gibran. You know, I love Gibran's writings. I would, I would say those are the people that come to mind. Mother Teresa. Absolutely. Yeah, the people that exude goodness. You know, um, it's interesting now there's a, there's a psychologist in, in Canada who is actually believes there's a goodness gene because he's mm. done studies with twins over 25 years. And I think those are all people who exude goodness. They're, they're the best of us. They bring out the best in us. And right now we're in a culture that's bringing out the worst in us. You know, race relations are an all-time uh, high. They're poor. Empathy is down. Narcissism is up. Greed is up. Our, our society in the United States came in first in depression and stress and anxiety. I mean, we're not in a good place, but we could be. Mm-hmm. And we need people to be more soulful with each other, it, not just in leadership, but even in interacting with each other. We need to bring out the best in, in us because it's all in us. We're all born with goodness. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing. And what comes from our mind is I think Les Brown said that we all possess a moral goodness and it is that very goodness that can turn into greatness. Yes. So uh, Action Tribe, to read the entire show notes for today's episode, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 284. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 284. you'll find the inspirational quote and other nuggets of wisdom that were shared on today's show. So Action Tribe, I hope you're enjoying today's session about authentic, soulful leadership. And before we move on, I want to remind you that sometimes and quite often life is not easy. Life has a way of presenting you obstacles and difficulties and roadblocks that tend to appear when least expected, right? And the presence of these difficulties might make you lose hope and feel really demotivated but realize that these challenges are here in your life for a reason they are here to help you grow and ascend to the next level so don't feel disheartened or defeated when you're in such a situation instead look at this opportunity as as a way to find out what you're really made of awaken your inner hero and then prove to those around you that you are stronger than this because as the 11th president of India, APJ Abdul Kalam once said, when we tackle obstacles, we find hidden reserves of courage and resilience that we did not know we had. And it is only when we faced, when we are faced with failure, do we realize that these resources were always there within us. We only need to find them and then move on with our lives. And with that, we are on to the last but important and final round for today's show, the wisdom round. 
Now, before we move on, Action Tribe, if you are used to listening to our podcast, then I want to let you know that we also do a live video podcast as well on our Facebook page. This way, you not only hear the conversations, but you also see me and my guests, including our faces, our expressions, our gestures, everything like that. And it is a whole lot of fun. We do a new live stream every Saturday. So make sure that you hit the like button on my page, My 7 Chakras, and you'll automatically be updated whenever we schedule a new live stream. Again, go to Facebook, search for My 7 Chakras and like our page to get all the updates. And if you're listening right now, take a screenshot on your device and tag me on Instagram. I am at my seven chakras. Seven is a word at my seven chakras and let us connect. And with that, let's head on to the wisdom round. So Arthur, uh, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Oh boy. You know, it it sounds simple, but uh, be yourself, be yourself. My mother would always say that just, just be yourself. And I know it's been said, you know, millions of times, but it seems right now in, in our culture, it's very hard to, to do that. People tend to be afraid of just being who they are. Be yourself imperfectly. You know, don't don't strive to perfect yourself because we, we are a culture full of perfectionists. That when you when you become your authentic self, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it's more than enough. Mm-hmm. So if you could turn back time and spend one hour with someone who is currently dead or living, who would it be? Uh, Jesus. Got it. Thanks a lot for sharing. And what is that one thing that you do in the morning or maybe in the evening before going to sleep that has really improved the quality of your life? I pray on my knees at the end of every day. Um, And it's a very serene time for me. I I pray for uh, our world and for the end of terrorism. I pray for peace. Uh, I pray for all the people that I know who have left this earth, that they're in God's presence. Um, and I pray, of course, for my family and that I can help as many people as possible live healthy, spiritual, connected lives. And uh, that's it, it's a very important time for me to end the day. And I pray throughout the day. I pray in the morning as well. But that, that nighttime prayer just seems on my knees. You know, it's a it's a humble position to be in, um, and uh, it, it brings me back to my own self in many ways. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing. Now, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? I, I think the Art of Happiness by the by the Dalai Lama would probably be the most influential book. Got it. So thanks. Thanks a lot. Action Tribe, would you like to receive this book for free? Because audible.com is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out this amazing service. Because the truth is that listening is the new reading And I definitely love uh, listening to my own Audible books that I have on my phone. And if you're listening to this podcast, it truly proves my point, right? Um, These books are on your phone. And most often, the author themselves uh, are reading the book to you. So to check out the service, to download your free book, your first audio book, go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book. Once again, that's my7chakras.com forward slash free book and start listening.
So Arthur, thank you so much for connecting with me once again and coming on our show for the second time. Before you go, tell us one thing that you are grateful for today and the best way that we can find you online. Uh, I think what I'm most great, grateful for right now is that I have we have two grandchildren. Carmela is five and Ariana is two, and they're just the, the greatest joys in my life right now. So I, I thank God for for bringing that, them into the world, these little angels. So I'm, I'm extremely grateful. Um, and my website is balanceyoursuccess.com. Uh, people can uh, order the book there or read my other, read blogs, other articles that I've written and interviews that I've done and also can get in touch with me if they wish. Awesome. Thanks a lot for sharing. And for listeners who are listening to the audio book, I mean, to the audio session of today's episode, then they can go to my7chakras.com forward slash 278 book, my7chakras.com forward slash 278 book. And we'll create a special page where they can check out your book, read more about it, and then order it directly on Amazon. So Arthur, thank you so much for joining me talking to us about soulful, authentic, real leadership and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you very much. You're a delight to interact with. I, I do believe you're a soulful leader. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.